Hey, it's Pretty Little Grown Man. Hi. Hey. Hi, Dave. Hey, Dom. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Um, we have a, a rampaging doggy going around our, <laughs> our audio, our sensitive audio equipment. <laughs> he today. really, he, wa- he wanted to start playing like as soon as we started recording. Uh, that's my dog, Gilbert. Good boy. Oh, now he's Say gonna, hi, Gilbert. He's going to drop that bone on the hardwood floor. That's going to be loud. Okay, so if you're any sort of like strange nibbling, do you want to jump up here with me, bud? Come on. Come on, boy. Good boy. Okay, all right. He jumped. He did it. Yeah, okay. Okay, all is is set. Uh, Another strange thing uh, on the podcast today is, okay, he got bored of that, is uh, I'm not drinking beer. I uh, don't have any beer left. Well, you... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh God, he's getting into trouble. Uh, I'm drinking whatever it is that you poured me. That's the the Freem Freem IPA. Oh, that's good. Which is very good. It's also affordable, which is really nice. I'm a big fan of theirs. All their beers. They yeah. make a uh, strong dark and a strong blonde. Which, if you like either of those flavors, Belgian style, very uh, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm drinking some uh, boxed Cabernet Sauvignon. So shout out to the our friends over at Cabernet and A. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm dipping into those waters with with some uh some boxed wine. Uh if you are a longtime listener, you know that we usually do our uh beverage shout outs at the end of the show. Uh since we're flipping it up, why don't we say also go on iTunes, uh <laughs> give us some of those sweet, sweet star ratings if you feel like it. Uh helps us climb up the charts and just you know, the only real advantage to it is it just helps us meet, make, get newer listeners, uh, reach more people. Uh, so we'd like to do that. So if you have some some time to rate us, we always appreciate it. Damn it, Gilbert's stop. <laughs> he is he is just getting tangled up here. <laughs> he's he's out of control. Uh, yeah, he's. This is this is what we call in my household garbage time. When it's like before he's supposed to go to sleep, but around the time when we're getting tired and don't want to deal with his shit, <laughs> he's gar- still he's still energetic, and he, and he starts getting all all wackadoodle. The problem with our cat Ella is that she is super down to go to bed at night, but then around three or four in the morning, she's like, "All right, what's going on? Yeah. It's time to get up now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's he's stepping all over shit. Anyway. Um, yeah, I like doing this stuff uh, at the top of the hour because we get to get it out of the way. Um, our, our 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 fake sponsors, uh, the fact that we're on Twitter at PLGM Podcast. It's true. Which um, I don't really know what we. God damn it, Gilbert! I don't really know what we do there besides just uh, um, try to get retweeted by the Pretty Little Liars account. I think that's a very noble task. Yeah. Sometimes it works, and then sometimes they just totally ignore us. Uh, I still haven't figured out what uh, the secret is. Well, it's hard to you know it's hard to get noticed when you have thousands and thousands of tweens to yeah, compete with. Exactly. Um, so we're here uh, on official business, and that official business is to talk about the new episode of Pretty Little Liars, season ten, episode twelve, season six, episode thirteen, season. <laughs> Kind of lay out the box wine, my dude. <laughs> that, was, that was the first time I had any. I was thinking, you know, what I was thinking season ten is because X Files is on season. Oh, 10. that's right. And I've been doing that's a right. lot of writing about the new X Files season. Uh, well, we can hear about that 
but let's talk about this episode, mm-hmm. which I really liked. I actually really liked this season so far. Uh, I think the tone outside of the, you know, let's put the, the Charlotte plot twist aside. Yeah. Uh, I think the tone, the acting, the scripts, everything has been really on point to me so far. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, it took it took an episode to basically just uh, get over our, our qualms with the premiere or the, the half premiere. Um, this episode felt great for a number of reasons. The, first and foremost... I really enjoyed the characters finally just like breaking through all that shit and just sort of yelling at each other and getting each other to just talk. Yeah. It's super, it's, it's like super adult in the almost (laughs) like too adult, like compared to a show like girls Mm -hmm. where the whole thing is like these characters being just passive aggressive with each other and then having screaming matches, you know, which is supposed to be this depiction of like 20 something millennial adulthood. Mm -hmm. Whereas the adults, the adult women of pretty little liars are like, just cut the crap. What's going on? We're, we're we're not in high school anymore. So you do see sort of the, uh, in a way, the premature aging of them having got through this high school trauma and having had to grow up, Mm -hmm. you know, and not wanting to be, and I guess just the sheer, like, anger at being thrown back into a situation like this which they are making increasingly difficult for themselves by concocting a new web of lies oh yeah um i do think that uh i the one part that i really really enjoyed um is and this sort of this was the sort of uh climax of the episode is when all the girls gathered upon ezra's apartment and basically just started yelling at him and frustrated and broken as he is he then was just like that's it get out of my fucking apartment right the fuck now (laughs) and just screams and Arya is so startled that she starts crying it is it is an epic moment what's so great about that um is that it really Arya who you know is operating under this really naive assumption that she knows Ezra even though she hasn't talked to him in five years that's shattered very quickly and she realizes in that moment that she doesn't know him and I think that there's something really uh, impactful I guess about a situation like that and I've been in situations like that with I think that you you find yourself in situations like that when you know someone really well or think you do and they do something that is sort of out of character or right. a bit scary right and it really shakes you to your core um so i really enjoyed that scene quite a bit um you know what i liked about it was that in season in sort of the tail end of the original mystery i guess in season so 6a and I think probably in five, season five as well, you know, the character development for Ezra just stopped. He just became the sort of, uh, you know, helpless boyfriend who was barely able to muster the the strength to tell Arya, well, maybe we should break up or something because you should, this thing I did was probably bad, even though I'm not going to say so. And he just goes from being this like super, like, you know, like murder subject, like potential a with security cameras all over town. Like this guy who's like, seems like he's got his shit together, but who's also dealing with this like uh fake child situation and who we saw losing his temper before. And we saw dealing with anger issues and having things go out of control. 
that character disappeared in like oh, season yeah. six. Mm-hmm. And so to have him return uh, is actually what the show should be doing. So I, uh, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, you know what? I want to know what Ostinato is about. What do you think Ostinato is about? Well, uh, the title is a musical term. Right. Mm, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Could it be a lurid romance? Oh, what maybe. You, what do you think he would write about? He probably was not writing a murder mystery. No. Well, whatever it was. So uh, another great scene is um, Arya. Arya is reading out loud Ezra's chapters so far to Emily. And Arya says, uh, is it just me or is this really good? And based on what we heard, it's it's just you, Arya. But... <laughs> yes. But... Uh, Emily is then like, well, is that about, do you think this is about you? And she's like, no, this is obviously about Nicole. And then there's that, uh, and then Emily's like, uh, well, Arya, like there's a lot of details there that would point to you. And and then Arya's like, no, that was high school. And then Emily has the best line of the episode and says, not for him. Yeah, that's like an all-time great line in Pretty Little Liars history. Especially just because we have gone through like, multiple years of the show not really wanting to acknowledge that it's super fucked up that Fitz slept with a teenager who was his student. Yeah. This this episode feels uh just crazy honest in a way that the show has not been, I think, in a long time. Um it felt more realistic than it has in a while as far as coming to terms with the characters as people and not just vessels for plot. Yeah. There was like a lot of just, just people really serving up realness in this episode. So much realness, (laughs) including uh, Emily's mom finds out about Emily's college situation, forgives her pretty quickly. Hannah finds out about Emily's medical situation, which we did not know about before. Turns out she's going to donate her eggs or or sell her eggs mm-hmm. uh, so she doesn't have cancer, which is good. Yeah. Oh. But you raised the really good point during the episode that she does, she throws out her glass of wine as her as her mom, uh, you know, is back inside doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And so she can't presumably shouldn't be drinking as she's going through this medical situation. So maybe she wasn't drinking on the night of the murder. Yeah. Which, um, you know, feels significant, but you'd think that the, that would be something that she would bring up to the other liars or, or the other liars would realize that. I mean, the only person or that knows is Hannah, not. right? Yes. Yes. But Hannah presumably hasn't connected the dots of like, you can't drink during doing this medical situation. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the fact that she goes and sees the doctor at, or the nurse after mm-hmm. those events. Uh, right. So it's unclear, but I think an interesting little clue to keep under our hats as we think about who the murderer might be. Yeah. So who do you think the murderer might be? I mean, right now it seems it's set up to point toward, okay, Fitz is unwilling to say what he did that night. But that could just be because he is a, you know... Because he's so broken. He's just an uncontrollable raw nerve right now. <laughs> he's just full of rage and feelings. Uh, I don't think he did it. But we see we have a new A in town who uses a devil emoji 
because yeah. letter typography is just not enough anymore. It's twenty it's twenty sixteen. Yeah, they are doing that whole uh, the 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 thing that you see in Sherlock, the pop up of the text messages now. Right, I like that. Yeah, that does feel a bit a bit modern. Um, also, uh, only Arya gets the text message. We yes. don't see the other. Although, although we do see while, um, and we'll get to this in a second. While Spalib is merging, yes, uh, Spalib. The uh, I think it's Spencer's phone is going off. You're right. So, you know, maybe that's maybe that's from the Red Devil. Are we calling this the Red Devil now, or just we are now? UA? We are now Red Devil. Satan. It's hashtag Satan. Hashtag Red Devil. <laughs> uh, so we have a new A. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of Sarah Harvey in this episode who shows up at the spa. I really enjoyed the spa scene where they're all just you know, they're all lying there, their heads together, uh, cucumbers in their eyes. That was like half of a perfect scene and half of the dumbest scene ever. What made it a dumb scene? The well, just the conversation between Emily and Sarah Harvey, which just felt so weird and stilted, and kind of like Emily's like. You're going to tell me the truth right now. And Sarah Harvey's like, I thought this was the quiet room. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I can't because I can't shake you down here at the spa. Um, that wouldn't be right. Yeah, that was. But the perfect part was the direction in that scene where they're all laying down. And uh-huh. it's the close-ups on each of their faces. It, that just felt really cleverly put together. Right. I really liked the flow of the scene just from a just from like a filmmaking standpoint. Just like really, a really nice looking nice feeling well-paced scene yeah it was really well done and you have them having this conversation about the erased footage and all this shit uh and of course sarah harvey is just sitting there chilling right right next to them just lying down with her eyes closed just listening in which just goes to prove as much as these liars learn they still haven't learned the lesson which is don't talk about this shit out in the fucking open right be about a hundred percent more paranoid. <laughs> like seriously, download download some encryption software for your texts and stuff. Exactly. Uh, but we're burying the lead, which is that Caleb and Spencer fucked. Well, they go, they do some heavy petting on the couch. Yeah, but it was getting there. It was getting there. Spencer so, took so, off her shoes. So, so Spalove is a thing. Uh, and I just want to say for the record that we invented Spalove last week, episode fifty one. You can listen in. Yeah, I think that if you check out the other Political Liars-based podcasts, uh, they came out after we invented the, the phrase Spalib. Hashtag Spalib. Hashtag Spalib. And also, uh, I know that a lot of other people have brought up hashtag cancer. Um, that was... That, that was a that was an idea that we passed over. Not so good. Also, don't use that hashtag. Not so good. <laughs> don't start using the hashtag cancer. I, I am very pro Spalub. I am really happy that they got together, even though the choice of like a, a true detective-y song, again, uh, <laughs> with this like weird Ring of Fire cover, Ugh. totally unsexy and gross. Yeah. I, it's in, it'll be very interesting to me if the... Music supervision of this season conflates adulthood with True Detective season two. <laughs> I really hope that's not the case for the future music decisions of Real Liars. But I guess they can't just play like teen pop anymore, so they yeah. got they got to go somewhere. But that was not a very sexy choice for this very sexy scene. No, now see, unfortunately, now whenever I think of Caleb and Spencer doing it, I'm going to think of uh, Colin Farrell and Rachel McAdams doing it. Just sad. Yeah, just just, un- just unpleasant. Just. I mean, tender, but also also mostly sad. <laughs> Just sad, tender, sad doing it. Sad intercourse. Well, it was interesting. Hashtag sad intercourse. <laughs> it, it was interesting that 
Spencer goes to Hannah to get her blessing on this. And it's like, oh, Hannah, you seem pretty happy with your fiance. Well, I get, would it be cool if, you know, Caleb and I, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and Hannah does grant her blessing, but she does seem torn. She does seem like a little bit wounded at the thought of her friend, like going back to her, uh, her Lucy's. Yeah. I think that <laughs> Lucy's, <laughs> I think, I think that, uh, um, you know, it's a little hard to, to digest at first, just the thought of it. But I, it, I think by the end of the scene, Hannah's obviously like come around to it and probably suspected something, you know, deep down anyway. Right. Um, Although Spencer denies that anything went down in Europe. Not true. Yeah. Probably did it in Europe. Well, over in Europe. Right. You know, she's talking about butt stuff. <laughs> what happens, you know, what happens in, in Madrid stays in, stays in Madrid. <laughs> um. But this does leave out an important part of this equation, which is that old Tobers, Tobers is going to, I don't think he's going to be done with the shit at all because he obviously still has feelings for Spencer. Right. The League of League of Ex-Boyfriend Solidarity. What if Toby's building a house for Spencer? Do you think that that's something? No. Maybe he's building a house for Jenna. Yes. I think that could be a thing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Jenna, we found another parallel between uh, this half, this premiere of sorts, or this new season and the first season. One of which being that the Sarah Harvey uh, uh, fucking up her hands. Right, and this is like the worst scene of the season so far. Yeah, it was this, pretty, pretty this shoddy. Super- it's all ret- retconned because it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's a super choppy flashback where Spencer tells her new beau, Caleb, so this horrible thing happened five years ago that nobody knows about, which is that after Emily punched Sarah Harvey in the face, she was trying to stand up and touch this generator and basically turned her hands into big bags of meat. Just mm. fried them right up. <laughs> and now she can't use her hands. But it's been five years and that seems like something that would have healed a little bit. I, you know, it just was like a really weird sequence. Yeah, she's like. Uh, it seems her like her hands are like Kevin Spacey in Pay It Forward. What happens there? Do you, remember, you ever see Kevin Spacey in Pay It Forward? No. Oh, he's like all. He's got all like burned up body. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listeners at home, watch <laughs> if if you know what I'm talking about. Tweet at us. Kevin, he's got, she's got Kevin Spacey hands. Um, but uh, also, for some reason, the show thinks that when you burn your hands on an electrical box, you turn into like a weird blur. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah, that was all. That was weird. It was just it was a weird to, like, special effects. Convey sequence. that she's like getting shocked or something. I don't understand. She turned into like a ghost, kind of. Well, so we have this parallel between Jenna, who the liar's blind. Uh, with now Sarah Harvey, who was a malevolent villain, uh, who now has lost the use of her hands, allegedly, maybe. Yeah. And Spencer's feeling guilty about it. And Emily's saying, well, so Emily's confrontation with her, she sees her again at the Radley Funhouse and says... I don't feel any guilt at all. And Sarah's like, well, are you sure? Maybe you, maybe you do just a little bit. And Emily's like, I kind of do <laughs> feel a little guilty. And then, so, so Sarah Harvey's obviously following Emily around all, all weird. Right. Which is, yeah. She's just tracking her down like a trained dog. Yeah. Yeah. Emily was all kinds of 
I don't know. Emily was kind of a sad mess in this episode. She made me really, she made me feel kind of manic the way that she was acting throughout the whole episode. Um, especially in her confrontation with her mom, which was just like two, like panicked Nia Peebles, uh, right. panicking all on top of panicking Emily. This was a super panicky episode. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, we also had the return of Melissa, who I'm glad is still on the show. <clears throat> we have no idea what happened with her and Ren, if that's still a situation. Although she's still holding that grudge. Yes, she is still bringing up Spencer's... Uh, Having hooked up with her ex-boyfriends. Which you'd think that um, that if something did happen between Melissa and, and Ren, you'd think that she'd, I don't know, consider that Ren had quite a bit to do with it just as much. I mean, Ren proved himself to be a pretty sleazy guy. Right. And you know? yet, it seems like they got back together. And she's still kind of an asshole to, to Spencer about it. I mean, maybe it's just kind of a family joke now. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> that was an, It was an interesting thing to call back. And the other thing was she panics about the video she made for Spencer. And Spencer's like, I destroyed it. And she's just like, I'm going to go up the stairs and not talk about this anymore. Uh, so obviously the show would not call back to that without some greater reason or you know i i guess we just haven't seen the last of melissa and one of the things that i'd like to still see from the show is a little bit more resolution of the nat club and the ideas yeah. of the first couple seasons about this older group of uh of characters who all ended up sort of getting killed for reasons unknown mm-hmm. yeah i uh i agree i the nat club still seems I mean, that's the first thing that came to mind when Melissa talks about a tape. I didn't even think about the tape that she made for Spencer. I thought automatically of the NAT club. Right. You know. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, Lucas is back. Lucas is back. Uh, this is this I thought was a really funny characterization. He sold some mystery company, and now he makes game apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has changed up his style a little bit. He's wearing a nice cardigan and grown some good facial hair. Yeah, uh, and he's, he's he has, rich. He's, he's a rich he's man. He's a rich guy. He's got homes everywhere, and is very excited to see Hannah again, which is trouble. So here's something I didn't think about because I'm I'm on Gilbert. Stop. I'm on board with uh, Lucas being back, and you know, being like good old Lucas. Uh, but he leaves town coincidentally around the time that A pops up again. True. So, if you know... And tells Hannah to stay in his apartment so he can surveil her. Yes, exactly. Good point. And or he still wants to hook up with her, which seems pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, that's always kind of been the case, you know. Um, Jordan is conspicuously absent. Um, I guess he's... (laughs) The cat and dog are chasing each other. Um, I guess he went back to New York or something. Somewhere. He's got to prepare for the wedding, which Hannah is just, like, not really doing. Right. You know. Well, Lucas, to go back to Lucas, he went through this whole period of working with Mona, of, like, being under duress from A. Mm -hmm. Like, he has gone through all this stuff, and we there's no reason to think that he and Hannah somehow had any connection or reconciled 
in this time off. And yet all of a sudden she walks through his door and she's like, I need your help. And he's like, yeah, I'll lie to police. Whatever, girl. <laughs> yeah. Let me get in on that. And that even she really realizes how like what kind of fucked up favor she's asking. And he's just like, no, let's go there. Right. Let's just go there. Let's together. Do it. Well, and again, like that was one of these things where the show would not have had that scene. She would not have had that thought, you know, in as a teenager. But now as an adult, she's like, this was a really bad idea. I should not have done this. And then after, yeah, terrible idea. Yep. Really stupid. Yep. Yeah. Um, I I am appreciating that obvious uh, maturity level. Um, speaking of mature, we get to see Arya's boyfriend's naked bare chest. It's true. There's some cute boy action in this episode. Yeah, which really just, as I, as I mentioned to Dave when it happened... I uh, really felt like the show wanted you, you know, maybe, maybe and this is, I, I haven't, I haven't done any research to confirm this, but maybe some people are thinking that Arya's new boyfriend isn't like the sexiest guy that she's ever dated. And this seemed to be like, no, look, he's, he's got some, he's got some manliness hiding underneath those, those dorky shirts. I mean, he's not super ripped. It was, he, Let's let's just you know discuss this what we've seen for a minute. Mm-hmm. I think given that this is a, uh, a nebbishy guy who works in publishing, mm-hmm. um, he is probably an appropriate level of fitness. Uh, I think a realistic portrayal would have had a guy who sits all day reading be a little bit more chubby. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, uh, but he also wasn't you know all tobied out with the abs. No, uh, so I I think we're given like a pretty fair. Uh, sexiness level on this boyfriend. You know, I do... There's something I noticed, and this is uh, nothing against anybody in general because I, I share a body type, but I've noticed that, like, uh, um, Ezra, in his broken state, he's he's put on some weight. You know, he's not as, as fit, and uh, he's a little bit more ruffled. He's a, he's a little bit... He's got a little bit more around the middle, which I appreciate. Like, I feel like this is... this. The show is attempting to, and maybe this is not intended at all, but it feels like the show is being a bit more, um, it's really trying to put forth the idea that these people have changed. Yes. And, uh, and that means, you know, that means body types, you know, like, I, I I also appreciate that you know that Caleb, especially someone who like sits on a computer literally all day, that he's not like the buffest guy around, and he's not you know he's he's still a cute dude who's obviously uh, the object of of affections, but he's not like he's not he's not a Toby, you know Toby is he's a policeman he's got to stay in shape yeah. Uh, he also, uh, as many people probably know, he's in the, that new James Franco movie, and was getting got super ripped for that movie, where he plays like a he plays a porn star who's involved in some sort of murder. Right. Yeah. Which you gotta you gotta look good for that. You're That's a porn star. Sure. I mean, so seriously. this to, well to get back to the real shit. Uh, <laughs> that is the real shit. This Dave. this was actually a kind of an intricate episode. Uh, we also find out through this weird journalist character who I'm. Sure, we'll show up again. Uh, yeah, that, Smarmy Jones. That Mona tried to work for Spencer's mom's campaign and got shown the door and went over to the rival campaign. Why do you think that was? Because Mona is crazy devious and wanted to be in the same room as Spencer for some reason. 
Well, I mean, I don't know. It, it, I mean, granted, it's hard to. Yeah, Mona is too smart and too manipulative to take it face value. But she, everything that happened to the girls happened to her, and so True. I feel like her mom or Spencer's mom would recognize that and would be more willing to to take Mona's offer to work for her campaign based on the fact that. You know, they're from the same town. She respects her as a person and as a professional and, you know, maybe wouldn't see it as something devious and manipulative. Yeah, that's that's definitely, I think, an un, an unsolved mystery. Uh, I think more will come of why Mona wanted to be part of the campaign. I mean, with Mona, we never get the full story because the show isn't from her perspective. You know, so even situations where she could be considered like a heroic or protagonist type character, we don't really get to see the whole picture. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, I would love to see a Mona spinoff. I think it would be just as interesting as this show. Well, they definitely need to bring Mona back. We need we need Mona to be more involved in these episodes. Yes. And um, Allie's not in this one either. So two pretty crucial characters are left out. Yeah, which you know, which is which is crazy because um, last episode, uh, Allie was pretty much ready to just like call out Arya and say and tell the police that it was Arya who did it. Well, I don't think she trusts any of her friends. No, I think that's sort of uh, hinted at in this episode where someone is like, "Have you heard from Allie since dinner?" No. Right. Right. Yeah. This just reminds me more of um, that uh, Pretty Little Liars blog post that you put on my Facebook wall um, about the who who the characters on Pretty Little Liars would vote for in the upcoming uh, primaries. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, A very weird blog post. Yeah, it just gets weirder and weirder and, and more and more like they're just reaching for things. But um, I, the one that I couldn't re- – that I – that I remember is it was Allie and she was voting for um like Marco Rubio I think yes which is so weird like I just don't think of Allie as this conservative Republican I don't know well you know it's been a long time well, we don't really know her uh her values yeah well Ezra would vote for Bernie Sanders I buy that um uh, I feel like Ezra would vote for Trump because Ezra is just totally unhinged and he doesn't care and he's angry, man. And he wants to build a wall. He wants yeah. a big, beautiful wall. <laughs> Lucas would vote for Batman. Because he's a nerd. I think that's what they were trying to say. Yeah, which is so part. weird. It's like he's so rich that he would doesn't give a shit about politics. So he would just write in Batman for some reason. Well, this is before... Maybe he'd vote for Rand Paul. But this is before the show... It's interesting that he's included because it's before the show reintroduces him in right. this episode. Right. And Mike. Yeah, I feel bad for Mike because, and this is, and I only talk about this because I feel like um, these posts uh, hurt all of the work that the show does as far as characterization goes. And I, I'm specifically pointing to, and I know that these are just like clickbaity bullshit, but it doesn't feel like any thought is put into these things. And and the reason I say that is because it, it points to Mike and it's basically just like, yeah, Mike's going to vote for uh, 
uh, for Huckabee because he thinks it's a funny name, and that completely like yeah, Mike's a like Mike's a jock, but he also is a surprisingly intelligent person who went through a really traumatic experience with someone that he was really sort of in love with, and and that kind of just saying that he would vote for Mike Huckabee because uh, Mike Huckabee has a has a funny name. It's just I just don't don't think is really like in tune with the character that they've put on the show. Well, I don't think that the people writing these blog posts for the Pretty Little Liars website, uh, it seems that the social media and all these things are pretty disconnected from each other. That the people who are you know directing or writing the screenplays are not really giving input on you know, whatever internet content needs to go up that day to like make people look at the website. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which is not to excuse it, but yeah, it was definitely done by, you know, it's definitely extremely silly and not the fault of the show. So listen up, uh, people who run this shit. <laughs> if you want some well thought out, well considered, well written blog posts on your, on the official pretty little, pretty little liars site, contact me and Dave, because we would, Knock it out of the park. We could even do one of those fucking bullshitty clickbait articles, but we'd kill it. 20 ways Liam needs to go to the gym and work on those abs a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 20 workouts for Liam to build up his abs. Yes, yes. We're ready. We're ready to write that article. <laughs> Gilbert is ready to help us. Yeah, Gilbert. He's ready to go to the gym, the doggy gym, and work out, work out some of these feelings. Uh, I think that mostly takes us through the episode. We we do have the new Devil A and lingering Sarah Harvey mystery and, you know, uh, the sequence where Lucas and Hannah kind of get caught in the lie with Lorenzo, the cop, uh, and it seems like a big, stupid mess that they yeah. penned pen, pen themselves into. So that's one thing that was, that's strange um, is... Lorenzo has obviously done his homework. He's a good detective. He knows the map of, he knows the layout of the hotel. Uh, he knows pretty much, you know, minute by minute what was going on that night as far as he could piece together. And they figure out that the videotape has been deleted, which we know Hannah did. And Hannah communicates in the spa to Sarah Harvey by accident. Yes. And, but for some reason, and maybe the, there's an easy explanation. I don't know, but I don't. I feel like this is an oversight. Uh, where are the phone records? They could check the phone records and would know that Arya contacted Ezra. Right. Um, well, why don't they just arrest... And that Hannah didn't contact Lucas. Right. And why don't they arrest Hannah and Lucas right there for, like, pretty obviously lying to a policeman? Yeah. Like, for having a messy story. They could be arrested right there on suspicion. <laughs> Yeah, oh that well. seemed sloppy. Well, we'll find out. I don't know. It does seem like the show. I really like that they have, em, have Emily kind of come clean with all her stuff because mm-hmm. I don't want the show to put itself in a situation where there's so many mysteries happening on both personal and larger mystery levels, and yeah. it just becomes like super stressful and intense. Uh, so I really like that they're sort of knocking them out and making the characters grapple with them quickly and then moving on to the next issue. And uh, one last thing is before we saw the the return of the uh, the A conclusion, the A cut scene. Um, yes, there's an A scene, an A tag at the end of the episode. There's an A tag. Uh, 
But before that, we see Arya, who is obviously going to attempt to write Ezra's book. Yes, yes, she starts writing chapter which three. Which is fucking dumb. Arya, you know, I'm coming around on Ezra. I like the, I like broken Ezra. I like I like angry, screaming, broken Ezra. Um, I still Arya is the worst. I still think she's the worst character. This is a so well, dumb. And this, is, and this is another lie that is sort of sneakily thrown into this episode. Her one of her friends is like, "Why is Arya so concerned with Fitz? She hasn't talked to him in five years." Yeah. Not true. She's his book agent. Yeah, which is like her job, literally her job, and she has not <laughs> told her friends. Oh yeah, I'm representing Ezra, and we reconnected several years ago, and I'm just not going to tell you any of that. Oh man, yeah. That this, is a that is a hot with, mess. This relationship with Liam is going to fall apart. It's bound to. Because for some reason, I, and this is what I don't understand about Arya is all the other girls basically come clean and they see the value in it and they're growing up and they're maturing, but it's Arya who still just like can't admit things. Well, is that because that she suffered the trauma of having an adult boyfriend when she was a teenager? I mean, is that what the show is trying to say is that you know, she. I don't think that's what the show is trying to say. Probably not. Probably not. Um, but I think you're right. Like she's the one who comes into the, more, you know, more so than Emily, who's like dealing with some real shit. You know, yeah. She's just keeping lies for the sake of having them. Yeah, I just. Uh, yeah, she just seems to be the the one character who hasn't really changed that much at all. And yet, she's willing to be honest uh, at the Charlotte hearing, which is also an interesting touch. But that's oh, but that feels like something that Ario always would have done. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems like a very Arya thing. To well, do. it feels like a selfish thing, right? She would keep a secret for herself, but not necessarily do it for someone else. And maybe that's the character of Arya. And and I I wonder if I wonder if the people who write this show would agree with this. You know, um, because they're I mean. We know the liars are the heroes, but they're obviously they're all also obviously human beings and characters, and so they um, they uh, have faults. But Arya is just a really selfish person, and that's hard. And it's becoming more and more clear that a lot of her actions are selfish actions. But they're but it's sort of like the the artist um, the artist delusion in that you do selfish things, but you don't think that they're selfish because you think that they're artistic mm-hmm. or creative, mm-hmm. but they're really just selfish. Right. And that kind of how feels like how Arya is. And now that she's even more validated by the fact that she prof- does this professionally, it's like she just had no reason to change. Right. You know? Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Uh, well, with that, I we think... We hate you, Arya. Bye. <laughs> we do. We do. I'm so happy we have Spalob. A relationship that we can support. Fuck yeah! Um, one thing I want to talk about before we go, yes, uh, is is PLL related, um, which is oh hi Gilbert, he wants to play ball. Um, he's, he's chewing on this green and white. Yeah, we have uh, to knit knit ball. We have thingy. to find him things that he can't. If you pretty much ninety percent of the toys that we find at the toy store, he will chew apart and rip apart. Just destroys In him. like 20 minutes. So we have to find something that is literally impossible for him to break. Um, and anyway, so the the one thing that I wanted to uh, uh, talk about is I was sent a link, a screener, to a movie that just came out starring uh, Troy and Belisario. It's a movie called Martyrs, which is... Um, a remake of a 2008 French horror film 
Um, and it's it's strange for a number of reasons. One is that uh, the 2008 uh, French horror film is very widely known to be an extremely brutal film um, for uh, for a number of reasons. I haven't watched it, but I've read a lot about it. And I've seen pictures, and that is enough to make me not want to watch it at all. And I think that I've talked on the I've talked on the the I definitely know I have talked on the podcast before about. Um, the ideas of obscenity and that once you see something you can't unsee it and like do you there are certain things where it's like do you really want to put that in your brain because it's going to stay there right um and so i have no desire to watch this movie uh and based on what i've seen i can pretty much confirm that it does look like one of the like most graphic grossest horror movies ever made and yet this remake so they so they decided to make a remake yeah um which apparently uh, Dimension Films um, bought the rights to the remake before the e- the original even came out because it had a lot of hype surrounding it. Um, and the original is part of this whole like French, this sort of French wave of film that in the past couple of years of just, it's called the new, I think it's like the new French extremity. Um, it's just these like really extreme French horror movies. Uh uh, and I don't watch any of them because I'm not like I like horror movies, but I'm not totally into just like you know exploitive you know, w- gore, wanting to throw up constantly. Yeah. Um, and looking at some of the pictures from the original movie today, I was like getting nauseous. Uh, but um, so this this remake stars Troyan as the as a girl who uh, escapes from as a young girl escapes from. Some situation you're not really sure, uh, and she finds herself in an orphanage, and she befriends, and she makes becomes best friends with another girl at the orphanage. Fast forward ten years later, and the movie starts, and this, and and I'll say this right now: there's you can't talk about this movie without spoilers because that's how it works. Uh, so if you really, really want to see martyrs, stop the podcast now and go watch it. But I don't, don't. I wouldn't recommend watching it. I just really wouldn't. Um, but the, the it, fast forward 10 years later and uh, Troyan uh, finds a fa- finds this family who she believes tortured her and just kills this whole family with a shotgun. Damn. Uh, in a pretty brutal manner. Just like basically just lights up this whole family in their home. And then begins basically an hour of Troyan's acting, which is just her just sobbing constantly. Now, it's a really traumatic experience, but I a, can't imagine that this was like fun to do as an actor because it's just like she's just like sobbing and screaming for like an hour and a half. Um, she's She's not bad in it. She's the best thing about this movie. I'll say that right now. This has nothing to do with like... If she, I hope that she got paid decent money for this, and a job is a job. She's by far the best part of this movie, but this movie is a literal piece of horseshit. Because what it then proceeds to do is torture its main characters for like an hour, just straight up torture them, and then in the end, the movie is basically saying that uh, all this torture was for was for a purpose. And they reach that purpose, and then the movie ends. Um, I could probably go into the plot to explain what that means, but I will say that um, 
that wasn't the original intent of the original movie, which is basically just like brutal torture. So the American remake totally neuters it. It's not even remotely as graphic as the as the 2008 French film. But the 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 point of the 2008 French film was to be that graphic, right? Because eventually, it's basically saying by the time it gets to the end, which is a very ambiguous ending, it's basically saying, "Why did you watch this? Why did you sit through this? Why didn't you stop this movie? What about this is like makes you want to f- go to the end?" You know, it's like, uh, which I kind of appreciate. It's like, I like the idea that the movie is basically questioning this idea that you can be jaded to confronting these images. What about these images is so appealing to you? Right. The new remake doesn't do that at all. It's not even remotely graphic. And the end is not ambiguous. So in the end, you're basically just like, oh, I watched all of this for, for that reason. Oh, right. that makes sense. Right. Like It gives you a way out. Instead of like making you deeply question why you are so into disgusting shit in movies. Why is it that none of these actresses, who are all very talented, I think, why have none of them made anything interesting outside of the show out beyond uh, Spring Break? Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers. Yeah. And also... Uh, Sprang, Sprang Break. Um... Uh, Ashley Benson was in Pixels. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. Well, uh, but that's a real movie. Yeah. Well, sort of. It got it got uniformly terrible reviews. But Ashley Benson, even that's the role that she plays, is also terrible because she plays a video game girl who comes to life for the sexual sati- essential. And this is not how the movie frames this, but this is exactly what it is for the sexual satisfaction of Josh Gad's character. Uh. So he has like, he's like the, the, the classic like effeminate dork who has had a crush on this video game character for his whole life. And then because of this situation with, with pixels and the aliens taking over the world, his, his erotic video game fantasy comes to life and it's Ashley Benson and she doesn't even talk. She is just simply a hot leggy blonde who materializes for him, and she has no lines. So it's very like weird science. Yeah, but like in in weird science, Lisa at least was like an intelligent character. Sure, you know. Sure, this is not even a character, and it's like, come on, what are you girls doing? You're all competent actresses. I mean, granted, Lucy Hale has you know. Uh, Country uh, career, country, country, music, country career, music career, and they've all done you know varying degrees of makeup ads and lifestyle brands. And Although, fashion granted, things. yeah, I grant. I think that Troyan's probably she's in she's in a bunch she's in a, a bunch of movies coming out, and she apparently wrote her own movie that is now being made. Um, I I just <laughs> wonder if being in being on ABC Family and being on this like essentially this tween show, uh, if somehow that's seen as limiting, even though we live in this era of prestige TV and people go back and forth between TV and movies and stuff all the time now. But you know, if these actresses are just somehow, you know, not seen as being capable because of those associations. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe it's, you're right. It's, it's strange because, um, because I think the show is so popular and it's got, it's got developed such a reputation that, you know, it's 
the movie industry is not based around maturity. The movie industry is based around money. And you have four girls who are in a very lucrative franchise. You know, you'd think that they could get better roles just based on knowledge in general. You know, like the fact that their um, their their faces that people recognize, their money making faces, right? You know, you'd right. Think that but you, but it, you know, there aren't so many movies being directed toward uh, toward that audience. You know, because Hollywood just there's a lot of movies being directed toward like a teen boy a teen boy audience. You know. Because that's just the nature of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I was just trying to figure it out because it seems like uh, people in similar situations. You know, people. I'm, I'm th- trying to think about Dawson's Creek or whatever. You know, I just want these uh, actresses to all have careers after the show ends and hopefully do work that is you know interesting and substantial and mm-hmm. you know not. It's. I always just think you know these shows go on forever and ever, and it's like if you're that actor who has to play that role for you know six seven eight years i mean that's a long chunk of your life to have that oh job God. and yeah. to be that person and to not necessarily be doing like 20 other things i mean uh jason siegel who was in a movie every summer forever while he was on how i met your mother playing this you know sitcom character right uh which was obviously not even close to the range of his abilities and you know it was it was a job and he did it and Mm -hmm. you won't see him in an interview talking about how fulfilling it was necessarily (laughs) you know so i just like hope that they don't get uh sort of trapped in these characters and that they're able to do things that are more interesting than you know shitty french horror remakes uh i hope so too it'll be hard they're gonna i feel like the only way that they can get out of this situation is to find another character that is like just as um, big, just as defining, because I mean I think of, you know, you think of uh, I mean, the X Files is a perfect example of David Duchovny and Julian Anderson, um, in that uh, everyone thinks of them as Mulder and Scully, you know. Sure. Um, granted, David Duchovny went on to do Californication. It wasn't as it was popular. Um, I mean, it ran for years. Yeah, it was around for a long time. And Jillian did two uh, excellent seasons of The Fall, and she's been on a bunch of other things. She's been on Hannibal. Sure. Um, and I think that she sort of, you know, sort of redefined her career in that way. But it's a lot of work for them to work out of the Mulder and Scully molds. Yeah. And now that they're back in doing it... Um, They'll never work again. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just like, you guys are just sort of like starting, you know, starting from ground ground zero. Uh, granted, like the the... the um, the sort of uh, dynamic between them is, on the new season is really great, but it uh, is sort of setting their. I feel like it's setting their career back a few a few more steps. Cause yeah. It's like now they're just gonna have to break out of it again. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess we'll find out. And I do want to hear your uh, X Files opinions, but we can save that toward uh, toward next week and after a couple episodes of X Files to dig into. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I like it. <laughs> I like the new season. I'm, I'm glad you do. <laughs> Have uh, you been able to watch any I, of it? I haven't, and I didn't because I just never watched all of the originals, and I'm not really. I've you know I've seen a good chunks of it, but mm-hmm. I am not like a follower of the show or yeah. of the mythology or anything. So I don't feel any particular interest in watching the new stuff. But I'm mm-hmm. glad it exists, and uh, people can read your recap on on Pace Magazine's website. 
Yeah, yeah. If you want to, where I've been doing most of my writing, I've also started a new column over at Paste, uh, where I pick out the three best movie podcasts of the week. Oh, um, which has been good so far. Uh, it's helped me connect to people and podcasts that I really enjoy. Um, and they've reached out already and said that they appreciate me writing about them. Uh, unfortunately, it'd be a major conflict of interest for me <laughs> to write about our podcast. But uh, yes, well, hopefully, you know, some of these folks will go down the the pretty little grown man rabbit hole. We do talk about movies here. We just talked about a movie. We totally did. And I I, review, I reviewed Martyrs on Paste. Uh, so if you want to re- read my review, which is basically just what I said already. Uh, but if you if you'd like to see it in in text form, so you can copy and paste and share the opinions on Twitter with everyone. Yeah, it's 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 more considered much less of must much less of. Uh, all right, brain brain done, podcast over. Word soup. <laughs> okay. Um. So thanks for listening. Uh. Oh, we didn't mention the name of this episode, which for you completists is called "The Gloves Are On," something like that. Yeah, the gloves are on. It's involving gloves. It's too bad it's not called Hand in Glove, like the Smith song. That was, seems like something that PLL would have referenced, but it blew, Did, blew its opportunity. Totally, to, total side note before we go. Uh, you know how Morrissey wrote a book? Like, yes. Not, it's not like a, a fiction, mem- a fiction book. A fictional book. Have you read anything? I've heard it's terrible. I, re- I read some passages from it. It is, it is nearly unreadable. It is. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It makes me feel like. Someone was like, "Well, he's Morrissey. We kind of just have to let him do this." <laughs> yeah. Let's. What are we? What let's are you just gonna, get let him get What are you going to do? System. Edit Morrissey? <laughs> You're going to edit Morrissey's words? No, I don't think so. You're just going to let him write whatever it is that <sighs> comes out of his brain. Uh, well, until next week, you can um, order more Morrissey books, bitches. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bad sign off. Let's do another one. Wait, okay. But before we go, seriously, uh, if you listen to us and you subscribe and you like us. Uh, you don't even have to write a review, but if you if you star us, that really really does help. And I know that it can be hard, especially like on your phone. If you're listening to shit on your phone, it's really hard to like go into iTunes and and star stuff. I think. I've never done it. Oh, I'm a bad podcast listener. Yeah, uh, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, and listen, I know what it's like to really like a podcast and feel put out for starring something. You know, if you're not paying for something, not to like not to get on a soapbox, but you get this shit for free. We're not charging you, okay? We're doing this for free. The least you can do is just give us a star. That's <laughs> just the just least. one. Well, not one. Five. No, five, five stars. Five will be better than one. Four, four stars is okay. Yeah, four five is stars okay. is great. The only person who ever gave us one star is uh, not happy probably still not happy that i continue to use the word fuck so often this well, was probably especially stopped, probably gave up on the podcast this was an especially fuck heavy episode i admit that what, what are you gonna do i just i felt it i just had to go you gotta it. go with it this is listen this is a podcast for adults and also tweens probably this was an adult episode there's a lot of uh there's a lot of subtext as far as fucks go i think all the liars had the word fuck in their brains when they were yelling at each other this is a very adult episode. there was a dam in this episode and also more drinking. Yeah. This is definitely a grown up, all new I like Cradle that, of Liars. I like that they're just like, yeah, let's let's drink. Like we we should drink more. Yes, let's have a beer. Let's have a glass of wine. Pour. Oh, this is the one scene we missed, and then we really will wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Ezra tries to order a beer yeah, he does. at Radley 
And Mrs. Marin comes out and says, no, you had an incident. We're going to give you an iced tea, bro. Ugh. You got too rowdy last time. And Ezra's like, I didn't destroy a chair. I didn't break a chair. Which we, is like breaking a chair is the standard that's, for rowdiness. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the limit. <laughs> that's, that's when you really get kicked out of the but bar. But also, Arya was like, obviously, cause, because also uh, Liam told Arya that that uh, their boss tried contacting Ezra and he sounded drunk at 11 a.m. Yes. And Ezra, and Arya's like, no, he's not drunk. And like, Arya, yes, he was. You knew he was drunk. He definitely has a drink. He's a broken man. He's, he's drunk. He's a broken man. He has a drinking problem. Yeah, which it, I... I mean, he's got like a perma five o'clock shadow, which I can't imagine a broken man wanting to shave that often, but... Where's the beard? Where's yeah, the beard? Where's the beard? Grow it out, Ezra. Yeah, man, I want to see that's that. Our, that's our new sign-off. <laughs> until okay, next, until week, next time. Grow it out, as, grow it out, Ezra. Grow it out. Bitches, grow it out, Ezra. Don't cut, cut my secret.